and Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. I'm Dave Garrett. This is the BerlinBrigade.com podcast, episode 115. Welcome. Welcome to the first episode of what I hope to be numerous episodes, more than we did last year and the year before and the year before that. Uh, but anyway, moving on. I digress. And you know, you know, when we do that, we set that lofty goal, we set ourselves up. But either way, welcome. Let's give it a shot. Let's keep moving. Um, Happy New Year again, and this is the BerlinBrigade.com podcast, and this year we're not going to take a different twist. Um, We're still going to be on the lookout, 100% lookout for uh, people to uh, interview, to share their thoughts and and memories of their time in Berlin, and um, I also want to do a couple of other new things, things that I've thought about, things that, um, well, they happen, and then we kind of put them off to the side, but this year, no, I've planned it out. So we've got some interesting things coming up here. The first couple of episodes for this year are going to focus more on, on for new people, those new individuals, first time listeners or recent listeners, member, people, individuals that were not members of the Berlin Brigade, but are looking for that Cold War uh, Berlin uh, experience. And, and I'm just going to start sharing some information about uh, the Cold War in general, uh, life in the American sector, and 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 crossing into the Soviet sector. So those shows are coming here in the next several uh, episodes. And then we're going to take a right turn. We're going to do a right-hand turn. And then we're going to do a left turn. And then we're going to get back on track and so on and so on. But for the most part, we've got some stuff happening. So without a doubt, let's get this episode started. Einsteigen bitte. So, as you probably already know, by the title of the episode, it's uh, The Cold War, A Brief Reflection, and it's a Berlin Brigade soldier's point of view. So, it's my point of view, and everybody has theirs, and with that being said, let's uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Let's get a little background on the Cold War, and again, uh, I know a lot of us that served during that time, we, we understand, we know what's going on, but this is more for the new individuals, the new uh people that are listening to this podcast. So again, welcome everyone. We hope you enjoy what you're listening to and uh, there's more coming. So stick around, give us a shot. So let's talk about the Cold War and I'm going to dive in and take a source where everybody goes trust it. But for the most part, what I'm looking up, I have yet to see where, no, it's, it's not happening. So here we go. Wikipedia. That's right. The Cold War was a period of geopolitical tension between the Soviet Union and the United States and their respective allies, the Eastern Bloc and the Western Bloc after World War II. Historians do not fully agree on the dates, but the period is generally considered the span of 1947, the Truman Doctrine, to the 1991 dissolution of the Soviet Union. The term cold is used because there was no large-scale fighting directly between the two superpowers, but... They each supported major regional conflicts known as proxy wars. The conflict was based on the uh, around the ideological and geopolitical struggle for global infra- influence by the two powers. Following their temporary alliance and victory against Nazi Germany in 1945, the doctrine of mutually assured destruction discouraged a preemptive attack by either side. Aside from the nuclear arsenal developed and conventional military deployment, the struggle for dominance was expressed via indirect means such as psychological warfare, propaganda campaigns, espionage, far-reaching embargoes, rivalry at sports events, and technical technological competitions such as the space race 
Now, the West was led by the United States as well as their other first world nations of the Western Bloc that were generally liberal Democrat, but tied to a network of authoritarian states, which most of which were their former colonies. The East, the East was led by the Soviet Union and its Communist Party, which had an influence across the Second World. The United States government supported right-wing governments and uprisings around the world, while the Soviet government funded communist parties and revolutions around the world. As nearly as all the colonial states achieved independence in the period of 1945 to 1960, they became Third World battlefields in the Cold War. The first phase of the Cold War began immediately after the Second World War in 1945. The United States created the NATO Military Alliance in 1949 in apprehension of the Soviet attack on their global policy against Soviet influence and containment. All right, so the Soviet Union formed the Warsaw Pact in 1955, six years later, after NATO. In response to NATO, major crises during this phase included the 1948-1949 Berlin blockade, the 1927-1950 Chinese Civil War, the 1950-1953 Korean War, the 1956 Suez Crisis, the Berlin Crisis of 1961, the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, the USSR and U.S. competed for influence in Latin America, the Middle East, and the decolonized states of Africa and Asia. So there you go, just kind of a brief brief synopsis of the Cold War. I mean, sure, it goes further into detail, and, and uh, it does talk about how, how it all truly really began. Some say, like I said, in 47, some say a little bit earlier, revolution kicked off when communism took over and, and got rid of the czar and, and that in Russia and the Soviet Union. And then it just kind of went from there. Um, let's see, what, what else was there? Um, well, let's see, we covered the Berlin, uh, the blockade of Berlin and, and the subsequent Berlin airlift. And then we talked about the crisis in Berlin in 1961, the Berlin ultimatum and uh that was, uh, well, no, that was not 1961. That was 1958 when Khrushchev made an attempt, unsuccessful attempt to turn all of Berlin into an independent, demilitarized, free city. He gave the United States, France, and Great Britain a six-month ultimatum to withdraw the troops from the sectors they still occupied in West Berlin, or he would transfer control of Western access rights to the East German. Khrushchev later, uh, earlier explained to Mao Zedong that Berlin is the, quote, testicles of the West. Every time I want to make the West scream, I squeeze on Berlin. NATO formally rejected the ultimatum in mid-December, and Khrushchev withdrew it in return for a Geneva conference on the German question. So there was that. Now, we were there. We had entered in Berlin, uh, officially assumed control of of the American sector in Berlin on uh, July 4th. Uh, that's the official, uh, July 4th, 1945. Um, we actually walked in there a couple of days earlier. And of course, between the uh, beginning of May and uh, all of May and all of June, the Soviets kind of had free reign of the entire city. And that was just kind of the agreement. But when we came in there to go ahead and take over, what was left over, well, we had to pick up, we had to clean up, we had to rebuild. And we did, for the most part. We did, we did. It did take a while, did take a long while, but eventually West Berlin, as it was known, became this mecca, this 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 showcase, this showpiece of what the West brought after the Second World War. And of course, then the Soviets and, and the East Pack, uh, the West, the Warsaw Pact nations, uh, they were not to be left behind. So what did they do? You know, the Soviets and the East Germans, in this case, turned East Berlin into their 
showcase city, the showcase of what this is the utopia of of uh, communist society. And, uh, you know, again, that's what you saw. If you ventured out further out, yeah, you still saw some uh, some uh, further out within the city from the city center, which is where they were pushing people. The centrum, it was always the the main showcase of the city of Berlin. And uh, that's where the Alexanderplatz is. That's where the centrum is, the uh, the uh, the big shopping store, the uh, and also the TV tower, the huge TV tower, the Pope's Revenge, and we'll talk more about that on a different episode, the Pope's Revenge. But all of that was there, so it was the showcase. And but as I said, as you ventured further away from city center, uh, Berlin Mitte, you started to see what was being kind of kept in the shadows and it wasn't ready. It wasn't done. It took a while. I remember the first time I went into East Berlin in 1985. Um, yeah, you could still see some of that still there. A lot of rubble, uh, a lot of dirt turned over, uh, I guess clearing out, but and maybe cleaning up or burying something one or the other. I don't know, but it was still there. You could still see a lot of what was left over. Uh, while in the in the West, yes, it was still there, but it was smaller. It was still smaller. It wasn't as big. You know, the buildings that were that were destroyed were pretty much cleaned up um, and um, left in place if they needed to be left in place. Uh, but um, other than that, that was that was pretty much it. But uh, again, so the Cold War, the battles went on, and the battles went on. They went on, and and and. and Guatemala, Indonesia, Indochina, Vietnam, that was brutal. Um, where in Africa, all over, basically all over Africa, the Congo and, and, and Angola and uh, Zimbabwe and, and all of those nations. And uh, again, it just continued. It continued and, and their spread, the attempted spread of communism, as well as the containment and uh, because, again, we didn't want to risk the United States and, and even the Soviets they didn't want to risk a, a war. But at some point, concessions were made where they would allow the Soviets to move forward. But then came the Cuban Missile Crisis. And it's like, no, that's too much. That's too far forward. Back it off. And it continues on. The wall gets built in the 60s. The wall gets built in the 60s or very early 60s. And there we go. So now. Focus goes back to Berlin, uh, and but of course, you know the hotbeds are still going on all over the world. And with that being said, um, Berlin, the focus on Berlin again was the wall, the divided city. Could we have stopped it? And that's questions many of us have asked. And um, uh, T H E Hill, T H E Hill, is an author, and he also served in Berlin. And he wrote a he wrote a book about that. Could we have stopped it? Could we have stopped it? And he writes this hypothetical story, a fictional story, uh, basically kind of saying we could have stopped it. And this is what would have happened if we had just stepped up and said, all right, stop right there. You can't do that. And because we were still governing as a whole, you know, there had been no formal dissolution. We just the Soviets just didn't come back to the table to govern the city. But there was no formal dissolve. It wasn't formally dissolved. And so technically, yeah, we could have done it. But at what cost? What would have been the cost? And so, again, it's one of those history now says, yes, we could have stopped it. History now says it would have been minimal in in any kind of um, collateral damage or any kind of damage. It would have been minimal. But at that time, nobody wanted to. Nobody wanted to step over that line, cross that line, 
in the city. And uh, so that, that kind of just kept going. You know, it kept per- perpetuating their uh, involvement in trying to influence and expand on and encroach into the West Berlin and East Ger- and West Germany. Sorry about that. And West Germany, as far as trying to expand their their sphere of influence. And for some in some cases, it 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 did more with the no nukes and and them sponsoring and and covertly backing those individuals, those groups, uh, terrorism. Terrorist groups, the Biter-Meinhof, the Red Army faction. Um, who else did they involve or who else did they reach out to? And I'm looking at this on, on, a, on the ground in Germany. Now, of course, there were other 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 groups that the Soviets did uh, kind of, quote unquote, help out. And, you know, again, so when we tried that, the United States, you know, that became the whole Iran-Contra thing because we were trying to back through money, through weapons, you know, the whole nine yards. And, uh, well, that, that, that didn't work out so well. But for the Soviets, again, did it work out? We don't know. You know, we know that what happened is Soviet Union stopped being eventually. And, uh, well, you know, it just, everything else kind of fell apart. Everybody else was kind of forced into either retirement, stopping, just either they got caught they got turned over. Um, they quit functioning as an entity, as any kind of terrorist groups. But then again, state-sponsored terrorism, uh, that kind of continued for a long while. And we I'm just going to point at the, the, the uh, oh my goodness, what was that one? The, and, I keep, and, and all that keeps coming to mind is, is the, um, the boat that got hijacked in the Mediterranean where they killed that American. Uh, and um, then the, uh, the aircraft hijackings in Europe, Middle East. And then ultimately the uh, the bombing of the uh, disco in Berlin, and then the retaliation in Libya, and then the bombing of Pan Am Flight 103 over Lockerbie, Scotland, and back and forth and back and forth. And with that being said, um, how much influence was there by these Soviets? Well, obviously there had to have been some kind of influence because one. Berlin was the Soviet uh, sector. West East Berlin was the Soviet sector. The Soviets were responsible for it. And, and as in that one movie, uh, the, the Soviets don't take, a, uh, don't take a poop in the woods without a plan. Remember that movie? That, that being said, and um, a hunt for Red October, folks. Hunt for Red October. Great little line. Funny little line, but it's a true line. It's a true statement. And uh, so if you've never seen The Hunt for Red October, by all means, go ahead and watch that. It's a great little movie. And it's set in the ocean, so it's not set in Berlin. But with that being said, let's press on. Uh, so, you know, they, they they knew what was going on. They understood. And we understood. And we kind of knew it. We kind of knew it. And um, so, again, that was Libya. And that was in Berlin, the disco. And so what did the Soviets know? How much did they sponsor it? And to what extreme? All right. So, again, this was 1986. Okay. When the disco bombed, and but again, eventually the dissolution of the Soviet Union kind of left those states that were once getting backed by the Soviet Union kind of fending for themselves and trying to figure out what needed to be done. So we walked down that road, folks. All right, so let's get back to Berlin. Let's get back to Berlin. So ultimately, yes, yes, um, there was the wall fell. The wall fell, and, and I truly, truly believe that it was our presence in the city of Berlin, in Berlin, and I'm talking about the Berlin Brigade, I'm talking about the British uh, British uh, 
the Berlin, the British Berlin Brigade. No, the Berlin British Brigade. I forgot what they're called. I do apologize to all my my, my British uh, friends, uh, our British allies, um, but the British uh, contingent there in the British sector and the French forces in Berlin, uh, same thing. Um, you know, us being there and our commitment to being there and, and, and ensuring that the rite of passage is maintained and that people could come and go as they needed to, as well as us venturing to the Soviet sector, us being the 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 allies, the Western allies, the French, the British, and the Americans venturing off into the um, Soviet sector. And, and because that was allowed, because that was that freedom of access, and, and we were allowed that access as part of the conditions of the post uh, uh, the World War II um, victory agreements, I guess, the Potsdam and Tehran conferences and those agreements about access to the city and our dedication through the entire blockade and while the wall was being erected. So, again, our presence in Berlin, it might not seem like a lot, but it definitely, in the big picture, really contributed to so much because, again, we were the ones on the ground we were the ones that were uh, uh, carrying out policy that those appointed above us, those that were voted in above us, um, said, this, well, this is the policy of Berlin. This is the policy of the Berlin Brigade, and this is what we're going to do in keeping with policy and ensuring that one day there will be victory in the Cold War against the Soviets. And sure enough, we did win that. So, of course, you know, there's, there's going to be others that say, well, no, it was the individuals in East Germany. Yes, I agree. Had it not been for them stepping up and stepping in, uh, all that we were doing was just in the place, you know, but our commitment is really what shined through to them. And uh, that's a good thing. So that's my brief reflection on life uh, in the Cold War, a Berlin Brigade soldier's perspective, a little history, a little narrative, a little of my opinion, but I hope it, it, it got you thinking. I hope it gets you thinking and hope it gets you wanting to know more. And so be on the lookout. We've got more episodes coming and uh, welcome to 2021. I hope you have a, you're having a great one so far. I know it's still early, but you know what? If it starts off good, it can only get better, right? Right. So anyway, listen, thank you for listening. Well, everyone, that that about the BerlinBrigade.com podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it interesting. And I hope uh, it kind of got you thinking and, and wanting more information and looking and, and diving in deeper to just what the little bit more than what we are hearing is being taught about the Cold War, what is being shared about the Cold War and about uh, Berlin in general or specifically, actually, not in general. Ge- the Cold War would be the general part. Berlin specifically, East, West and, and the American experience, the United States experience in Ber- West Berlin up until unification. So, um, again, thank you for listening. I'm David Guerra, the webmaster, founder, BerlinBrigade.com. I, I welcome you to visit the website. I also invite you to follow us on Twitter, at Berlin Brigade, on Instagram, at Berlin Brigade, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Berlin Brigade. And uh, any place else you see us, by all means, say hello. Tell us you, tell us, let us know. Let me know that you heard the uh, podcast and, uh, and uh, what you thought. And everyone else, I hope you enjoyed it as well. A little trip down memory lane or just kind of refreshing our, get things back in order, refreshing ourselves a little bit as to what went on and how we got here. So either way, there's more episodes coming. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we've got it lined up. So again, we are always looking for people to interview. So by all means, please 
reach out, Dave at BerlinBrigade.com, and uh, let me know, and we'll schedule something, and we'll get it going. Don't be shy, folks. Don't be shy. Don't be scared, either. Just uh, let us know what, uh, just share with us, and share with everybody your experience. So, listen, let me go ahead and wrap this up. I'm Dave Guerra, and I thank you for listening to this episode. And until next time, as always, Danke Shane, Auf Wiedersehen, Tschüss. Endstation, bitte alle aussteigen.